Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Emergency edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride, at TJ McBride NBA on Twitter. You can find my work over at milehighsports.com for all things Nuggets. I have written far too much today, being that it's the trade deadline day, so definitely go check it out. And to my right, as usual, Mr. Brendan Vogt. What's going on, TJ? How you doing, brother? My brain hurts. I'm confused. All of this is just completely over my head at this point. Not the Nuggets. The Nuggets, I understand at this point. It's the rest of the trade deadline that just absolutely blew my mind. Absolutely chaos. I almost forgot that today was the trade deadline. Thought about getting some lift action in. Instead, I pulled over and I sat in a Wendy's parking lot for about two hours and I looked at Woj's Twitter feed. So... Great day for me, I did TJ. that last yeah. year in a Kidoba parking lot as I did the, <laughs> um, the, the exact same thing. So that's hysterical. I had my, my wireless hotspot on so I could be typing while I'm in the Qdoba parking lot to get all this information out about. Right. But let's get into the chaos. Do you want to start with the league-wide stuff or should we just jump straight into the Nuggets? Let's start with the Nuggets because this is a Nuggets podcast. But since we have a podcast, we'll carve out some time at the end to talk about Cleveland because... We have to. But yeah, let's start with the Nuggets, dude. All right. So the Nuggets make a, make a trade. It was a three-team trade with the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks. The Denver Nuggets send out one of their second-round picks and Emmanuel Moutier to the Knicks. The Knicks then send Doug McDermott to Dallas, and then Dallas then sends Devin Harris to the Nuggets. And the Nuggets also get the Knicks second round. But right? And that came from the Los Angeles Clippers originally. Right. So the Nuggets get basically are swapping second round picks with the Knicks and then get Devin Harris for Emmanuel Moutier as Doug McDermott goes over to Dallas. My, so, go my, ahead. my initial thoughts, slam dunk. Slam dunk trade. I think members of the media have been talking about the need to get a backup point guard. Harrison Wind of BSN has been huge on Devin Harris as a potential target. He's exactly what they're looking for, a veteran guard. He can bring that veteran presence into the locker room. He knows how to handle the ball responsibly and as we'll get into in a bit, he's actually a good on-the-court fit with the rest of this roster. So to me, TJ, being able to move on from Moutier, being able to get a target that you had, and without having to give up any picks, I know some people aren't thrilled. I am. I'm absolutely thrilled. I mean, let's just go back and look at what happened to Alfred Payton as he got traded from the Magic. Alfred Payton is actually a better player than Emmanuel Moutier has been in his career so far, has played more minutes, and has been more important to a team than Moutier has been. They... When they traded Alfred Payton to the Phoenix Suns, they got nothing more than a singular second-round pick for him. The Denver Nuggets trade Emmanuel Moutier. They get to keep their second-round pick, and in addition to that, they get a legitimate NBA player that will help them right now in this playoff push. The Nuggets got pretty good value for Emmanuel Moutier considering how much he was just out of the Nuggets rotation. Right. If you're going to say they didn't get good value because they drafted him 7th overall, 
I mean, you're not wrong in a vacuum, but that's not the value that they were trading, right? At this point, the rest of the league knows what Nuggets fans and the Nuggets themselves know, which is that Moutier more than likely will not live up to his potential. The, the jury is still out. He's young and a change of scenery could do him well, but it wasn't going to happen here in Denver. So they weren't trading a lottery pick player. They were trading what we've seen from Moutier. So to expect a lot in return, I actually thought they were going to have to give things up to I get did rid too. of Moutier. I did so too. to be able to just essentially, TJ, swap him out, for a backup point guard, a veteran good backup point that guard. That fits significantly better with this roster. That feels like a win to me. And you don't lose a pick. That That's the biggest thing for me is that not only do you keep all your picks, you literally get the value of just one for one essentially at that point. And that is such a big deal. And we'll get into Moutier and how he doesn't fit plenty in this podcast, but let's talk about why Devin Harris fits with this Denver Nuggets roster. Sure, and you just wrote a piece about this, right? I did. So yeah. there is a piece up right now on Mile High Sports. It is a, a statistical look at how trading Moutier for Devin Harris will improve the Denver Nuggets in total and basically what I broke down was that Moutier when he plays is a negative player for the Nuggets there's just no way around that compared to when the to when Moutier is off the court compared to when he is on there is a negative 12.7 net rating difference for just playing Emmanuel Moutier not only that Every single player on the roster outside of Tory Craig becomes a negative player when Moutier is on the floor. And that's like borderline unprecedented. Like on and off stuff, like there's almost always, we've talked about this before, you, you need to follow that up with an investigation into the context. Why are things the way they are? Do those raw numbers tell us what we need to know about a player? Often it doesn't tell you the whole picture. Here it's clear as day. And that, like it's, it's hard to overstate how unprecedented that is. Yeah, I mean... It, he really did kill all of the momentum when he came onto the court. And this is not to say Emmanuel Moody cannot be a productive player at the NBA level. No, he absolutely can. It was not going to happen in Denver. So the Nuggets be, are able to move away from that and get a guy in Devin Harris where we talk about how there's a negative 12.7 difference in net rating when Moody is on the court compared to off the court. When you have Devin Harris on the court for the Maverick compared to off of it, there is a plus 13.5 net rating wow. difference. Like it's incredible how impactful Devin Harris has been able to be in just his 18 minutes of floor time with the Ma with the Mavericks on a bad team on a very bad team like they are they are in the dumps in terms of how bad they are and he is a positive player with that team right their bench has been excellent all year long and he's a large part of the reason why and this is something the Nuggets have really struggled with often yeah I mean we've seen that pop off the bench from Trey Lyles at times but how many times especially on the road earlier this season did you see the Nuggets have a strong start to the first quarter only to have the wheels fall off after that first substitution exactly and that's what the Nuggets are going to hopefully be able to get away from finally because Devin Harris even beyond that he fits the style of play the Nuggets play with so when Paul Millsap does get back you put Mason Plumlee back on the bench unit and you try and play the similar style this free-flowing offense with Mason Plumlee as you do with Nikola Jokic now you get your Gary Harris off the bench that is the kind of player that Devin Harris is and you also get Will Barton back to his normal position instead of yes. asking him to play the backup point guard role which is huge for this team for a large number of reasons right yeah and then not only that Will Barton is very good as a secondary creator right. but when you ask him to be the primary creator it takes all of the the flash and the pizzazz out of his game at that point so now 
you not only have Devin Harris who can play on or off ball, but he fits the stylistic play. His most common play type per synergy is actually spot up scoring where he scores 1.09 points per possession. And that's the 73rd percentile. He hits 42 and a half percent of his catch and shoot threes at this point in his career as well. Not only that, he is one of the best off ball cutters in all of basketball. Right now he is scoring 1.51 points per possession off of cuts. And that puts him in the 90th percentile. Those are exactly the kind of numbers you want to see from a guy that plays alongside a lot of different playmakers and offense that plays off the high post. When Jokic began to emerge as what he is last year, it became clear that it's ideal to surround him with guys who know how to spot up shoot and who are good cutters off ball like Murray, like Harris is like Gary Harris is Devin Harris of that ilk. No. But can he shoot? Can he cut off ball better than, say, an Emmanuel Moutier? Significantly better. And not only that, you lose the long ball dominant dribbling the air out of the ball double clutch long twos that Moutier loves to put up. He's also a better finisher at the rim. So when Moutier misses a free throw or a a layup at the rim, he falls down under the rim and you have a four on five transition opportunity going the other way. You lose that against you now as well. So much of this trade has a lot to do with how Devin Harris will improve the Nuggets. But it has just as much to do with being able to take a negative player in Emmanuel Moutier who does not play the style and replace him with a positive player in Devin Harris who does fit your style. So you've got a problem if you're the Nuggets. You've got a talented roster and you've got one player on this roster that makes everyone worse when he's yeah. on the court. So you have to get rid of him. Pro- the second half of this problem, his value has depreciated big time over the years. You're probably not going to get what you'd like for him. In fact, TJ, it had gotten so bad that you may have had to attach other assets just to move him. They got rid of that player. They f- they filled his position with a clear objective upgrade, and they didn't give up any picks. Yeah, and they are now more veteran influenced. You replaced a young 20-year-old point guard with somebody who has been in the league for 13 and a half years now, who has been around everybody and been with really tough coaching staffs and knows how to be that, the basically just the ear from the coach to be able to speak to the players from, from a player's point of view, but still have the ideologies of a coach behind him. He is going to fit in so well and there was actually a piece that got put out i believe it was the desert sun news i can't remember exactly the outlet but there were some quotes in here about devin harris about him getting traded and the way that he felt getting traded leaving dallas so he said it's really gut-wrenching it's really gut-wrenching deal to go through and one that we really wrestled with this is what donnie nelson said the president of basketball operations he's everything we want our young guys to be and that's not lost on us that's important the fact that he is such a veteran mentor and leader for the young players in Dallas who have a very young point guard in Dennis Smith Jr. Now, all of a sudden, you have him mentoring Jamal Murray. That's a big deal. Right, and it's a somewhat easy, if not lazy, take at times to see a veteran acquisition and say, oh, a veteran presence in the locker room, right? I mean, that was like the explanation for why the Kings did what they did, which in hindsight... <laughs> that did not work. Yikes, right? But this is different because this isn't the team adding the player talking that up. We're talking about the team that just lost this guy and they're going public with what a big loss that is. And so I think you can read into this. I think it's really easy to look at Devin Harris as a high character guy. Now, TJ, the question is, and I don't think this is going to be the case because he's a professional, but the question is, is Harris bummed out? 
Does Harris not want to play in Denver? I don't anticipate that being a big issue, but it, it's clearly coming off that he wanted to finish his career in Dallas. And But this is the thing. Dallas also wants to be able to have him finish his career with them. This is not a closed-door situation because, like we said at the top of this uh, podcast, is that the Nuggets wanted to get off money in this trade deadline for future money. They did that because Devin Harris is expiring at the end of the year. That's a very so good Devin point. Harris can still get all the money he's looking for by basically just waiting out this year, playing well for Denver, and then going right back to Dallas and retiring there if he wants to. That's true. That's true. And you're right. For Denver, I mean, some people were kind of bummed that they got a player who was expiring, but I think it's good. I think they, they swapped out Moutier for a guy who fills that role without leveraging the future, and this isn't like getting off of Fareed's money, but they did get off of some money. I mean, Moutier is owed, I believe, $3.6 million this year and then like $4.2 million next year. So that's a sizable amount of money towards the end of your rookie contract. That's some flexibility Plus, headed into the summer, for sure. For all of the people who are like, why are you giving up on a young asset in, in, in Emmanuel Moutier? You have to pay him very soon. You really want to have to put cap restraints on yourself because you kept Emmanuel Moutier, who is clearly not a part of your future core anymore, and give him that money? That makes absolutely Absolutely no sense to yeah, me. Yeah, I got a little mini rant here. They didn't give up on Emmanuel Moutier, okay? They gave him plenty of chances. They tried time and time again to give him the starting job. I got the impression, and this is just speculation, that they wanted to give it to him this summer. That's why he was getting so many looks in the preseason. And what do we know about Moutier? When you give him an opportunity, he flashes, he dazzles, and then he fizzles out, and the turnovers come back, and the missed layups come back. They did not give up on Moutier. That's what that Jameer Nelson move was about, they wanted to give Moutier yep. one last shot, and they wanted to give the keys to Jamal Murray. So for those of you wondering, well, why did they trade for Devin Harris? If The reason they moved on from Nelson was so they could commit to Moutier. It's clear now. We have the data. We have the information that wasn't working. So they moved on. Yes, and I got one more thing to say about Moutier, and we can move on because I think we've hammered the hell out of Moutier. But for a guy who refused to talk to media the entire year, he now has to go to New York. Yeah, Adam tweeted that out, and I was a little jealous that I didn't think I kind of like wanted to say that out loud for so long. He's been stonewalling every single one of yep. us, and that's just not just me and TJ, just a couple of bloggers. That's Adam, that's Matt Moore, that's Gina, that's Chris Dempsey. And not only that, he's not, he's literally pushing off of like the altitude broadcasters from just doing funny spoof bits with him. Right. He will not talk to media and this year. We would have tossed you softballs, brother. So, yeah, I mean, it's a like don't want to just do the hammer the guy on the way out thing but yes moving on from Moutier was a necessity and and you can't say they didn't commit to him they gave him his chance it just wasn't gonna happen and then Tim Connolly and Arturis Karnasovic went out there and got great value for him lost no assets in the process and got better as a team immediately yeah. all of those things are unbelievably important so now when you look at it when you try and trade a guy like Emmanuel Moutier who will need to be paid at some point and you can't take back big contracts and you need to find some kind of value they cleared money they got a better player and they lost no future assets in the process so i don't know how many folks are particularly upset just with this part of the this trade in a vacuum i think people get the harris for moutier swap for the most part where a lot of the um the disgruntled tweeting is coming from is what about the moves they didn't make so let's talk about some of those let's talk about where else emmanuel moutier could have gone he was supposedly on the table with a second round pick for a, a trade with Memphis for Tyreek Evans, and that did not happen. No, it did not. This is what Zach Lowe reported, is that the, is that the, the Nuggets basically for Tyreek Evans, they put two offers on the table. They were like, here's Emmanuel Amudia in a second round pick if you want to pick that up. If not, here's an expiring contract, which we don't know who it is, and two second round picks. That is likely Wilson Chandler, or it's Richard Jefferson, but... 
I'm not sure who that was. I doubt it was Will Barton because two seconds in Will Barton is way too much for Tyreek, in my opinion. Yeah, and also, what would I mean? Yeah, I guess Memphis just taking the expiring because they don't want the money. But like, and that's all it came down would, to. Will Barton's expiring, you would think, would only get shipped if it was like a, t- a to a contender who really needed him, who was willing to give exactly. something up in return. Exactly. There's no other reason to give two to give two second round picks and a guy like especially Barton. because if in that situation, I mean, you're just sort of swapping out kind of similar players in terms of Barton for Evans. So there's no need to give up Barton and the the possibility of re-signing him and two second-round players just to get a comparable guy in Evans. So likely you had a Richard Jefferson on the table who was an expiring, and then the other guy is Wilson Chandler who likely would not opt in. That's just speculation, but it is what it is. Memphis wanted more. They wanted a first-round pick, and they wanted absolutely no salary in 2018-19. So at that point, I'm not willing to give up a guy like Will Barton, and I'm not willing to give up a first-round pick for Tyreek Evans. Props to the Nuggets for not pushing this trade just to move on from guys or to create a run spot that is a good move in my opinion to not grab him right that would have been forcing it to sort of like okay we need to go get some sort of dynamic talent and what i think a lot of people are forgetting believe it or not is that paul Millsap is on this team and you guys were talking about it at, at these recent practices he's going to be back relatively soon right march mid march yeah. yeah so that we don't know for sure but that's essentially an acquisition. Like that's your big dynamic. That's your thirty million dollar man coming back. So it it wasn't about mortgaging the future to get some big dynamic player. It was about patching up right that the small. It was it was about cleaning things up with this roster. And exactly. yes, it would have been ideal if they could have moved on from some of that money. But I think getting a backup point guard was priority number one. And so, and moving Moutier was another priority for them. So, so they got they knocked both of those off. That's two check marks. They didn't get Tyreek Evans, and I'm okay with that, considering that they put out the offers that they felt comfortable agreed. with, and it just wasn't picked up. And Memphis was stubborn with everyone. That's why Tyreek Evans is still in Memphis. Yep. So this wasn't just Denver not being aggressive enough. This was Denver just being patient and and being prudent. And let's continue with this whole teams being prudent. stubborn with their players and move on to Marcus Smart. Because Marcus Smart was a guy who the Nuggets had been linked to a, a couple times at this point and he was not moved either. It ended up being that they did not find a package that they wanted to move to um, Marcus Smart for. They wanted a first round pick and a young prospect. There was no way Denver was going to be willing to send a first round pick and a guy like Malik Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez for a rental of Marcus Smart. Right. And yes, Smart was referred to Street agent, but then you probably would have gotten into bidding wars. He would have been looking for an extension. They had more important things on the docket regarding their cl- their cap flexibility. Also, TJ, this is a Celtics rumor, so I'm just going to assume that it is either false and or three or four weeks old because that's how Danny Ainge does business. Exactly, and that's <laughs> the only way. And he leaks so many things just to try and create value where value may not exist or at the level that he wants it to exist. So again, good on the Nuggets for not mortgaging a potential you know future asset for a guy that you're probably going and to lose. I'm skeptical that negotiations really even ever got that far so yeah from what i understand they did not get very far and i do not have the sources that a lot of people have but that is just what i understand at this point is that there were conversations because he fits well but the conversation stopped very quickly because of how much boston wanted for him okay so those were the guys they either couldn't or didn't get what about yeah, the plus guys? Rodney Hood got traded to Cleveland and all of that fiasco happened. We'll get to that more. So the gu- other guys the Nuggets wanted went to other guys. So now let's talk about the guys that the Nuggets couldn't move. Most notably, Kenneth Fareed, who I guess the Nuggets have been trying to move for like three years now. It's an interesting conversation because they have been trying to move him for quite some time. But I think what's most interesting about this is that the Nuggets went out of their way to really try and move 
Kenneth Fareed. They knew that Fareed wanted out. They knew that there was a situation to where he could be frustrated being here. So they were tirelessly looking to for a new home for him. This is from Christopher Dempsey of, the, of Altitude Sports, the guy who originally reported on this. And he said, as far as Kenneth Fareed, he'll be staying with the Nuggets. The Nuggets know he craves a bigger role, has valued his professionalism while not being in the rotation and tried tirelessly to find him a new home, but it just did not work out. Apparently, Indiana was very close to having some kind of salary dump move. I don't know what happened. That is one thing where I do think the Nuggets really did try and push to get him a new home, and it just didn't come to fruition. I'm trying to think about what that deal would have been because Indiana's not exactly rebuilding. So it was probably a couple of second round picks, but they wanted a first, and I Denver was, wasn't willing to attach a that's first because Brooklyn was also rumored to want to potentially grab a guy like Fareed if they can get a pick back. But I think Denver was just not going to move their first round pick unless they had to. I think the, they had a lot of scary thoughts of what happened when they had to trade Yusef Nurkic and send a first round pick with yes. them to get rid of them. They've had, look, they were, they've been a little loose with some of the first round picks in these last five years. So I think they also weren't the only team today to not want to part to their with their first rounders. Everyone except Cleveland. I think that's why there was so little movement outside of the Cleveland stuff. They were the only team that was willing to part with a pick. Now, something had to be done there and we'll get to that in a second, but you know, so for those of you who are saying, okay, D- Denver can rebuild their entire roster. I mean, Excuse me, Cleveland can rebuild their entire roster in 30 seconds, but Denver can't clear up one roster spot or can't move on from two bad contracts. But it's different. These two teams were in different situations. The Nuggets were not willing to do whatever it took to blow up their roster and shake things up. They just needed to clean some things up. They're in a good spot. So for them not being willing to move on from the first, it's just a different situation. It's not comparable, TJ. I agree with that. And plus, they weren't operating from a position of desperation like the Cavs were. Everything was dysfunctional. You needed to trade almost half the roster just because half the roster hated each other from the sounds of things. Right. So that's what they did. They overhauled their roster full of wing players and versatile different guys that you can play through and they needed to do that and they were operating where they didn't care about their first round picks. They're trying to show LeBron James that they're willing to do this. And they also had the Brooklyn picks. Exactly. And on top of that, they just had to eat up $50 million of luxury tax money to do it. Which the Nuggets can and would not do. And there's no reason to because you're not going to win a championship this year. So these two situations, yeah, don't compare them yep so look would it have been ideal if the nuggets could have moved on from kenneth reed yes is it clear to me that they tried to yes but they did not want to give up that first and this nuggets team drafts well so you can't blame them I got 100% agree with that. And I think with Fareed, another part of this conversation, and I believe there was a question about this, and we can just hit that now. Yes. So Jonathan at Precious Hair123 asked, will it be any easier to move Fareed in the offseason? Yes. Yes, it will. And I think this is why the Nuggets were okay holding on to him is because, guess what? Once you get to the offseason, he's now an expiring contract. So when a team is looking to clear money for the next year, they'll be more willing to take on Kenneth Fareed, who only has one year on his deal remaining, to be able to open up future capital space so his value can go up in that situation now you have injury insurance for a guy who plays well at Nikola Jokic that's a really good point and we think of Kenneth Freed as a guy who's been relegated to the bench a very specific role filler but he's owed just under 13 million dollars this year and next year it would be just under 14 so trading for him now that's actually a big cap hit whereas as you just pointed out in the summer it's a different sort of situation so the the ship has not sailed in terms of moving on from Fareed in time for that Jokic extension. Yeah, I agree. So now let's get into Wilson Chandler because this was a very interesting situation in my opinion because the Nuggets did want to move on from Wilson Chandler and it was interesting to me that there is some... 
I don't want to. There's there's some kind of confusion between how Wilson Chandler sees things and how the Nuggets see things. It's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> it's They're not on the same it. page. Is kind of how I see it at this point. So Wilson Chandler ended up not being moved in any capacity. What I did find interesting is that Mike Ortiz Jr. He did report that there were a couple trades that Wilson Chandler was on the table for. The deal came out that potentially the Nuggets had talked to Utah about a Joe Johnson Wilson Chandler swap mm. that did not come into fruition. Wilson Chandler was apparently also on the table with the Toronto Raptors for Amir Johnson and some kind of amount of second round picks. In addition to that, the Rockets also potentially reportedly called about him mm. for Wilson Chandler and Kenneth Fareed for Ryan Anderson and Tariq Black. So it's not like they weren't trying to move him. There was just no deal, in my opinion, they found that they felt was a good enough situation to bring back a player better than Wilson Chandler or a, or a, a position to where it either opens up future money or gives you enough future assets to find it worthy of doing so. And I'm a little surprised that there were no at least rumors involving OKC and Chandler. I thought I, after I was too. Yeah, I thought that they OKC might... was surprisingly quiet now that yeah. I think about it, considering that they had legitimate holes to fill. And Sam Presti's always quiet. Like, there's almost always locked down. But that was surprising. You didn't hear anything about that. Well, they're all in on this year no matter what they did today. So you would have thought they would have found some way to make a move but they also didn't have a lot to work with so um yeah look wilson chandler sticking around is interesting we know that he and i guess ownership or this front office have been at odds or coaching i should say right i guess that's really the heart of the issue have been at odds for some years now in denver and it's it's really unclear how committed wilson chandler is to this team but tj there's an interesting wrinkle in that what's that because we're talking about chandler as a contract they couldn't move he has a player option right yes is it possible that Wilson Chandler gets so disgruntled <laughs> that he opts out and that that's something the Nuggets thought about. I don't know. I don't know if they thought about it, and I highly doubt that the Nuggets would keep Wilson Chandler just to make him frustrated so he doesn't pick up that option. I do not believe that would be the case. Right. It may be a very nice repercussion of keeping him to where he essentially turns into an expiring contract, being that he does not want to be in Denver and they couldn't trade him once again. I do not think there's a rift so heavy between the Nuggets and Chandler that they spitefully kept him on the team <laughs> just so that he would opt out of that player figured option. I'd ask. Just but figured at the same I'd time, ask. it is a, a positive repercussion of keeping him around. And let's be real here. There could be a very nice dinner that he has with some of the executives with the Nuggets. They get back on the same page with Michael Malone as well. They start him at the three with Paul Millsap as they should. And everything goes back to the way it should. We That, that could absolutely happen. Things have changed that quickly in the NBA. I mean, hell, at 8 a.m., Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN tweeted that GMs were expecting a very, very quiet trade deadline. And then the Cavaliers proceeded to trade half their roster. That's how the NBA knew. moves that quickly. That's how you knew. Once Woj tweeted it should be quiet, I was like, all right, buckle in. Yep, here we go. <laughs> yep. It's going to get chaotic. So let's get into the question that has been on everybody's mind, surprisingly, in my opinion, because I love the dude, but I did not expect this to be the point of emphasis from the fans. But yeah. Tory Craig is now finds himself in a very strange predicament. So this is the first year of two-way contracts, so no one knows exactly how many days Tory Craig no has. What I do know is that he has not been at practice that I have been able to visually see him with my own eyes the past couple days, which does not mean that he's not here. It just means that I didn't see him. But there is not a roster spot to sign Tory Craig into full-time. 
So Tory Craig is either going to go back to the G League or the Nuggets are going to hold on to one day extra that, that's left. They're not going to play him and keep him inactive and keep him with the teams where he can practice or something. I'm not sure how they can go about it and try and just keep him around. But he is now in a position to where we are. His days are very numbered with the Denver Nuggets because there's just not a roster spot for him. The big question everyone keeps throwing around is why don't you just cut Richard Jefferson? Why don't you just cut Kenneth Fareed? Well, first of all, Richard Jefferson and Josh Kroenke, you know, the governor and owner of the Denver Nuggets are very, very tight individuals. They were in Brooklyn together as best friends when basically Richard Jefferson has just had just came into the league. So I would be very surprised if they just outright cut Richard Jefferson. And also waving players doesn't magically make that contract go away. And I think that's one element here, dude, that people are missing is if you wave players, you still got to pay them. Right. Yep. So the guys with the sizable contracts like Farid and Arthur, they're just not waving. Them. Yeah. Like, why would you pay someone six million dollars to go away to go away, especially when there's a veteran influence in Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Farid, who's good in good injury insurance, considering how well he fits with Nikola Jokic. Does that money affect the cap? Like if you wave someone, does it affect your it, cap situation? I, I believe it does. But at the same time, what the Nuggets could do, and this is this is very hypothetical, you could potentially stretch Farid's um his contract in the stretch provision and basically pay it out. I believe it's over five years and you get a less cap hit. I believe it's like 45% of the cap hit you would normally have. And you would open up that roster spot again. What is the one thing about the Cronkies we always come back to? They're quite frugal. Mm-hmm. I do not see them paying out $20 million to Kenneth Fareed for him to not play. Especially with what you pointed out, which is the possibility that you can try to move him again in the off season. So I think that that, like, that's probably what's going to happen with Fareed. And look, the Richard Jefferson thing, I guess the answer is it could. It could happen. They could wave Jefferson, and that would clear up a roster spot. But we have no insight as if into will. Wow. We have no insight into whether or not they will do that. So it's it's hard to say. And like you said, he's got a close relationship with ownership. So it's possible he sticks around. And let, let's be honest. like We could be finishing this podcast, and they could literally wave somebody right now. But the odds of it happening are very, very slim, in my opinion. So at this point, Torrey Craig is going to run out of days, and he's not going to be able to be on the, on the Nuggets roster unless they just pay somebody out. So we'll see what happens with him. It's a really big bummer that that ended up coming out this way. But it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Okay, uh, Alec Gwynn, this is a fun one. I think he knows what the answer is, but he wanted us to to address who won the trade deadline today, Woj <laughs> or Shams. It felt like they were almost taking shifts. Like one would get like four straight stories. The other one would get another four straight stories. So for me, I'm going to give the edge to Woj, but it was a hell of a battle today. Man, I actually thought Woj was the clear winner. I, th- I looked at this as like a WWE fight. There was a little tug. There was some back and forth. But at the end of the day... I'm going to count this up. Uh, yeah, go ahead and count it up, and I'm going to keep stalling here with this terrible metaphor. There was like, there we, we got a few moments where it seemed like, okay, maybe Shams can pull this match out. And then Shams got like a nice strong high kick in, and he had Woj wobbling, and he went in for the finisher, and then Woj said, no, just kidding, and he's still cold. <laughs> yeah, and he just dropped him, so... Yeah, so what I'm looking at right now is there was about seven that Shams got and about 11 that Woj did. That was a very quick, like, let me just scan this and try and count. But it, I think it, I think Woj won. No, you know who won is Kevin O'Connor, who scooped both of them scooped on the details man. of the IT trade. That was not, incredible. Yeah, that Kevin was O'Connor surprise. was the first one that Isaiah Thomas was traded and that the Cleveland pick was included and in all of that chaos. Big winner of the trade deadline, KOC. I got to stop for a second. Can we please talk about these Cavaliers insanity? Yes, let's do it. Like the Cavaliers, they didn't just trade people. 
They went above and beyond from that. This Cavaliers team traded six of their players and got back, I believe, four of them. And it happened in about 40 minutes. So this was the most exciting day, part of my day in that Wendy's parking lot. I think strangers were looking, trying to figure out why this dude is cackling to himself in his car, shoving some snack wraps down his face. <laughs> That's where I was at. This was insane, dude. I'm trying to get to my tweet about it, but the internet doesn't like me in the Mile High Sports studio. But it was something like the Cavaliers sent out Isaiah Thomas. The Cavaliers sent out Derek Rose. The Cavaliers sent out Channing Fry. The Cavaliers sent out so many more. Who else did they send out? Can you remember? Give me one second. Aha. This is good audio content. Iman Shumpert got sent out. Dwayne Wade got sent out. Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, and Channing Fry all got traded in different situations. The, they got back. Larry Nance, Jordan Clark said Rodney Hood and George Hill. Is this team better or worse than they were? Well, before I, I address that, I will say they needed to do something, and boy did they! I mean, oh they, boy did they! There's doing something, and then there's just literally starting over in February, which I didn't even know was like possible. I didn't even know that was an option. Yeah, like they almost need a training camp just for these guys to get to know each other. Like that's how much this roster just flipped up. And after that IT trade, and they, I, I don't know if this is the Stepien rule that prevents them from trading the Brooklyn pick going it forward. Is. Yeah, so. I was thinking they were done. I was like, all right, what other, what other moves could they make? Little did I know the entire roster was about to change. I think they got better, dude. I think they've got a little younger, more athletic, and they've got guys that look like real basketball players. <laughs> yeah, I thought they had like a, a cast of cicada shells duct taped together in the shape of a roster. Yes. Yeah. Rodney Hood is better than both Jay Crowder and Iman Shumpert, in my opinion. George Hill is definitely better than Isaiah Thomas and Derek Rose are right now. You get Jordan Clarkson, who's going to be a nice scoring bunch off the bench so you can replace Wade in some capacity and then Larry Nance is going to be rolling to the rim with the best of them. You may you may not be getting the shooting of a Channing Fry, but you finally have a rim roller with elite athleticism alongside LeBron James. And you have guys who aren't poisoned by what's been going on in Cleveland in the last two months. I can only imagine how yep. awful that locker room must and have been. And let's be real, who are the guys who are, based, who are really poisoning this was definitely Isaiah Thomas at the top. Definitely. Jay Crowder was the guy who got traded for Kyrie Irving and did not pan out Iman Shumpert's been nothing. Derek, Derek Rose, Rose almost disappeared. He almost quit basketball. Yeah, and no, he actually got married and went on a honeymoon. <laughs> they came out to be, and I was just waiting for Isaiah Thomas to point a finger at him. Yeah. So they got less chaotic. They got less dysfunctional. I think they got just slightly better overall. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, does Hood stay healthy? Does Hill stay healthy? Does Hood stick around? These are all questions that are TBD, but they tried something, and I think that it's a slightly more encouraging situation than it was this morning. I think Rodney Hood was probably the most impactful player traded today, given IT mm. where IT is at. Man, that's an interesting question, actually. Yeah. Who is the most impactful? I think I'm going to go with George Hill. Okay. Just because the Cavs had no point guard. Yeah. Like, they were getting no defense and no scoring whatsoever. So, TJ, before we wrap things up here, let me ask you. Go back to the Nuggets. You had to slap a grade on this sucker. How'd they do today? As an overall day, I'd probably give him a B-. minus. Yeah. That's about where I come because, yeah. I mean, you would have liked to get off a read. You would have liked to create a rough spot for Tory Craig, but none of those things were paramount. The paramount thing was getting a backup point guard and then moving off of Emmanuel Moutier. Those were the two things that were most important. And on top of that, they also cleared future money at the same time. Agreed. So and for me, a B minus. I was a little confused at how all of a sudden I feel like clearing up a, a roster spot for Tory Craig, which to be clear, I would have preferred happened. Like, I feel like that's a good example of narratives that a couple of writers hit on and some fans, they, they get behind it and then it just sort of rolls and gets out of control yeah. from us. Like 
keeping him around was important, but he's 26, right? It's not like this is some 19-year-old with a world of potential. He, it's not like he's some massive, massive impact player on either side of the ball. He can help this team, but this idea that, like, if they need to get one thing done today, it's keeping Tory Craig around, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's yeah. a little overstated. And everyone knows, like, my pinned tweet right now is an oral history of how Tory Craig got to the NBA. Like, I love Tory Craig as a player, as a person, as a dude to interview from a media perspective, or just personally talking about hip-hop with. Whatever. Tory Craig is a fantastic individual, and he's a very good basketball player. My thing with Tory Craig is that he's helpful, but he's, what, the ninth best player on this roster? Right. Eighth best player That's on this roster? Saying. So you do not mortgage future assets just to have Tory Craig stick with the team. It sucks for Tory Craig and it sucks for the Nuggets, but it is a situation where you do not mortgage the future because of it. I agree. I agree. All right, should we get some Twitter questions in real quick? We I only think got we, a few. I think we actually more or less touched on all of them here, man. I think indirectly. And hey, I, let's just run through them then. Sure. We already kind of talked yeah, about them so we can it. give them a shout out. Kyle Lynch at CrackerJack157 is clearing a roster spot still a possibility. Yes. Anything is possible in the NBA, but at the same time, it is not going to be expected. Yeah, That's well kind said. of where I fall That's with well that. Said. What about Torrey Craig? Torrey Craig will probably be with the Nuggets for a little while longer. We'll see how long they can stretch his days. He can come back with the team to practice for the postseason, even after the G League season ends, but he will not be able to be on the playoff roster as far as I have been able to gather, even if, as long, unless they give him a full um, contract, he will not be able to play in the playoffs for the Nuggets. And uh, Matic at Anderson Show 8. Why are some people so happy with Devin Harris? Is this the best we can do at competing for playoffs? 35-year-old point guard who only produces 8-2-2. Two, and two. Still in shock we couldn't get De- Evans. Memphis waited for a reasonable offer. We stuck with our players. Matic Vendrel. I'm going to see if I got that right. Shout yeah. me out later, Matt. Matic. I want to hear about this. But I don't understand why people are upset with Devin Harris. I really don't. I think he's going to be very helpful. I think he is a guy who is going to help. Looking at his raw numbers is not the way to look at Devin. He is a much better player than just an 8-2-2 guy. That's because he plays a very small role on a very young Dallas Mavericks team who is trying to get a lot of development and reps for their young players. He will produce more than that. And even if he doesn't, his on-court productivity will be better than Emmanuel Moutier has been. Just think about all those times in, in these last couple of weeks where you go, oh man, they really have to play Moutier right now, don't they? They don't have another option. Now they do, and it's Devin Harris, and I think that that's a preferable one. As for the Evans half of this, I don't think Memphis did wait for a reasonable offer. I think Memphis drew a line in the sand that no one around the league was willing to cross. And, and that's why they have him and still. And the Nuggets weren't going to be the only team that did. Listen, everyone is destroying Memphis for not trading him. They're not destroying Denver for not upping the ante to go get him. There's two very different things in those optics. So at the same time, the Nuggets put two offers on the table, gave multiple opportunities for them to accept them. They were going in for Tyreek Evans, but they weren't going to go over board and they didn't and that is why so let's be clear we're sticking with a b minus we're not sitting here saying wow they got devin harris buy your here ticket for the, the finals fu- yeah here yeah. comes home court advantage no, watch that's out not golden state no it's just the being i was hoping that they could move on from moutier and i was hoping they'd get a backup guard in return they did so without moving any assets and, and, to me, and they cleared money so yeah it's it's not a, it's not a, an a plus day but i think the nuggets are better at the, this afternoon than they were this morning and you can't ask for much more than that yeah that perfectly sums it up for me you got anything else man nah dude I, I'm like getting tired I'm a little sick I need to go home and go to bed this and was I do my, not want to get sick from no. you so let's get you out of yeah, here yeah this was like my flu game but significantly <laughs> less less impressive yep alright this has been the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast please rate subscribe and comment we really appreciate it when you guys do that on top of that shout us out come talk to us if you got any questions hit up the handle at nuggets underscore daily we are always around from you that is B vote 
422 on Twitter. I am at TJ McBride MBA. And from us, we are signing off. can't believe it that gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets look here comes a 1.7 percent decrease in fixed overhead hello everybody no i can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with geico who are you the projected increase in organic q3 revenue hooray believe it geico could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance Let's consider the secret life of the innermost nesting doll. Living most of her life in the dark inside the other nesting dolls, she has plenty of time to think, if she could. Sadly, she has no brain. However, when an innermost nesting doll hears that Geico not only saves people money, but also has been providing great service for over 75 years, she thinks it's obvious you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Pity the innermost nesting doll and her lot in life.